Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. She is here joining us as she does every week to answer your questions, whether it's on settling babies who won't sleep or feeding or toddler tantrums or whatever you might be struggling with. Chris is here to help navigate the way. Chris, how are you? I'm really well, thanks. Lovely to have you back. I've got to say I was... um, talking on uh, had a little Facebook live the other day when I was talking to the babyology audience and I got quite emotional when I was I was telling them you should make sure you ask for help when you're a young mom or young or a new mom you don't have to be young (laughs) I wasn't when you're a new mom and things are going a bit haywire you can often feel like you should know the answer I think there's sometimes this expectation that when you have a baby, you're going to know what to do. But of course, you now know, having two children, that it's a very learned experience and it takes a small village around you, whether that's one supportive person or a whole group of people, to get you through this learning experience. Especially someone like yourself who's seen so many situations over and over. So you get a sense of how, well, you know, obviously... It's your craft. But also how to navigate that mum in those early days, you know, is she, where she, she at, or where are they as parents at emotionally? And that certainly helps us guide the information to them in a different way sometimes. All right. Well, let's get stuck into those questions that we have today. Um, We are going to start with an email from Zyanne. She says, I love this show and have been listening since a friend introduced this to me a few months back. With your help, I now have a nine and a half month old baby that sleeps well. So instead of sleep, my question relates to feeding solids. (laughs) She currently eats well three times a day and enjoys mealtime. However, she protests when we put her on the high chair, which we exclusively use for feeding as she usually plays on the floor. I think the reason why she protests is because she hates the bib that we put on her. It's a bib that attaches to a plastic tray, which is suctioned to the high chair tray and catches food and prevents food from being dropped onto her clothes. She also hates getting cleaned up after her meals. When she started solids a few months ago, she didn't mind this as we would try to make it fun and sing, this is the way we wipe our hands, but this isn't working anymore. We were using a cold, damp cloth to wipe her hands and face. Then we changed to a warm, damp cloth two weeks ago and now a bowl of warm water a few days ago. But none of them are working and with the bowl, she's unhappy when we take the bowl from her at the end. We are also now starting to use a silicon bib a couple of days now, but I don't think this is working either. Do you have any advice on how I can make clean up after meals a bit more enjoyable? I'm afraid that this will have a negative impact on her enjoyment of food in the future. Or do I just need to accept that I will be living with a grubby baby? I know what my answer would be. <laughs> yeah, probably the same as mine. <laughs> so in this case, being messy um, is actually what nine-month-olds do. So I think that restrictive bib, has she now associates getting in the high chair with that restrictive bib. So I'm glad that you've changed it out. But actually over the next few days, I would change it out to a cloth bib and see how she goes with that and then maybe move to that silicon one that looks like a little bucket on the bottom of it um, when she's got a lot of finger food and messy food but babies enjoy messy food and eating in a messy way so i think that that is um 
is, uh, sorry, my, something's ringing in this house. I do apologise. It's not my phone, so I don't know what it is. Um, so it, babies do, in, do enjoy getting messy, and I think we try and control that. But actually, I just put a drop cloth down on the floor so that you can just pick that drop cloth up and shake it out or put it in, you know, shake it into the bin and then maybe put it into the wash. You can get some plastic ones that you can wipe down. But I think it's the, the structure of that first bib. Now she's got that association. So let's take those off her for a few days, put on that cloth bib. And then from there, I think she's going to be much calmer um, in the high chair. Maybe sit her in a minute or two earlier and maybe give her a toy to play with. So it hasn't gone from play on the floor just to sitting in a chair. So those things might help. And I'm glad it's going so well for you over the last few months. Yeah, nice to hear that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, this is a question from M on Facebook, who is joining us live. Hi, Em. Uh, she says, I'd like your opinion on nightlights. My daughter turned three recently and has mentioned it's dark in her room and that she doesn't like it. I just respond with, yes, it's dark to help us sleep and don't go on about it. This usually occurs once I turn the light off or if she wakes during the night. I'm unsure whether to take her comments seriously as it's not like she won't go to bed, but she does mention it on a regular basis should I introduce a nightlight or wait until it becomes an actual issue any advice is helpful thanks that's from him I think you're doing the right thing by recognizing that she's aware that it's dark when she wakes up I think that's more the the point is she's aware of the darkness and I like the way that you're saying to her, yes it's dark and that helps us sleep at night but if it continues, what you could do is maybe put a hall light on and leave the door open a fraction just so there's a little bit of muted light because that light would then go off when you go to bed. So I think the problem with the night light is that it's in the room and it's on all night. And sometimes it can lead to creative play. So they can see things around their room. So they get out of bed and they start playing or they start coming into your room or those sorts of things. So I think if it was really persistent, I'd probably put a gentle soft hall light on and then that can go off when you go to bed. I should mention as well that there are two ways you can ask questions if you're watching us live on Facebook, which is what we do every Monday at 11.30 Eastern Standard Time. You can pop your question under the Facebook video. But if you're listening to us via the podcast, which we broadcast every Wednesday morning from 6am, you can send an email to helpline at the parent brand, uh, sorry, helpline. Why is it? I've just completely lost my <laughs> <laughs> Why well, say it every day for five years? Helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. I have no excuse unless I can say ISO brain slash son's birthday slash I have had a lobotomy. Um, <laughs> let's get on to the questions. This is from Emma on Facebook. She says, my newborn uh, second bub is one month old. I have no idea how often she should be awake during the day and when she should be awake and then sleeping. She's currently eating, then sleeps, with some small awake times in between. Often, if she has an awake time after a feed, she doesn't go to sleep and will want to eat again one and a half hours later. Later, I know she doesn't need a routine right now, but I feel a bit lost with awake and sleep times. You, you totally forget, don't you, Emma? <laughs> I, had, I totally forgot by the time my son came around. That's right, and especially with a busy toddler in the house, you know, to remember what that baby was doing is a really difficult thing. But being only one month old, 
Um, it is quite loose, but she should be in what they call a feed, a little bit of alert time, and then a sleep period. And that that cycle rotates across her day. So in the day, you might find that after an effective feed, she's calm and quiet for somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes. And then she'll go from that calm state into an agitated state. So jerky movement, whinging, head turning, those are those cue signs to say, now I need to go to bed. And I would say on the average one, year, one month old, it's probably around the hour, maybe an hour and 10 minutes in the day. Whereas at night, she should be still feeding and sleeping. So she's still in that such young stage that her feeds could be anywhere between two hours apart to four hours apart. So there's no rhythm, but the feel of the cycle of the day is that feed, little bit of alert time, usually in your arms or very close by you. Then that jerking movement is the cue to say, now I'm ready for sleep. And it'd be around the hour to an hour and a quarter. So that might help you in that busy household to just remember to look back at the baby before she gets overtired. Okay, this is an email from Jasmine who says, my daughter is 21 months old and for the past four months is waking up hysterical either after 40 minutes of going for a nap or at any stage of the night. When she wakes, she starts screaming and I am unable to settle her. She starts to get panicky and screams for her dad. She will hit me and tell me to go away. She gets so worked up that she starts to gag. It seems like she is terrified her dad isn't there. It's horrible to watch. If her dad is home, he can go in and she will settle, but won't necessarily go back to sleep if it's during the day. My husband and daughter have a great relationship. They do lots of fun things together and most nights he does the bath bed routine. He is struggling with managing things at the moment and very much needs sleep for his own well-being. I'm wondering how usual this level of separation anxiety it is, if it is separation anxiety. I'd like to know how to help her feel able to be settled by me again and what could potentially be going on for her. I don't have any other concerns about her development. She goes to daycare three days a week and runs into the room without saying goodbye, so clearly doesn't get this fear about not being able to see her dad when she is awake. Any thoughts or suggestions is much appreciated. Well, I think the first thing is mum, some, a lot of mums would be able to empathise with you, but it's usually towards the mother and the poor dad standing on the outside trying to help. And in this case, it's in the reverse. So the behaviour is normal, where they seem to attach to one parent more than they need the other. Um, and in this case, this is dad. So the first thing, and it doesn't quite make it clear, is I'm assuming she has one sleep in the day. Um, so if she's having a sleep, hopefully she's going down around 12.30 and getting up at around 2. But she, this waking up at 40 minutes probably means that she's more overtired as she goes to bed. And so it sort of exacerbates the behaviour of needing dad. She needs more comfort. So at the moment, I'd get um, dad to work on keeping her calm and getting her back to sleep because I think that that's important as the first step. And then together they work on whether it's mum or dad putting her to sleep. So once they feel she's slept better and so she's calmer within herself, and then maybe mum goes to put her to sleep, they need to tell her, like while dad's bathing, you need, he might need to say, mummy's going to tell you, read you your stories today. 
tonight and put you down. So we've sort of pre-warned her a little bit that something's going to change and that suddenly it hasn't gone from one security to, to another person. And she hasn't had that time in that transition to understand it's going to be mummy tonight to do it. Once that happens, though, and mummy's reading the stories and she's carrying on, it would be helpful if dad came in and, and said to her, I'll sit here, but it's time for mummy to read you the story. So that they sort of come at this together and that they support one another in the decision without her feeling like it's one or the other, if that makes, hopefully that makes sense. But I think the reason it's got to the point where she's hysterical is because predominantly she's overtired. So for her age, she should be having about an hour and a half sleep in the day. And I think on the back of 40 minutes, it's just making things seem so much worse for her and transitions from one thing to the next seem that much harder for her to do. So let's get dad to do it for a few days, actually decrease, get her back to sleep in the day so she has a bit more sleep. And then I think she's going to be more open to this moving towards mum helping out and that they can do it together. This question comes from Beck. She says, hello, I have a daughter who turned three at the beginning of January. She was fully toilet trained before Christmas, which was driven by her and rarely had any accidents until around the end of Feb, early March. When she started having accidents, I could tell that she was what she was doing in the moment and would ask her if she needed to go to the toilet. She'd say no, and then she would have her accident. She was doing this at home with my mum and also at childcare. From that point on, things have progressively gotten worse to the point where we are now back in nappies. She is highly resistant to using the toilet, and even when we get her on, she'll sometimes do a wee, but will hold her poos in, or will only do one if, she, if we really, really persist and offer some sort of reward. If I avoid the toilet altogether, she has multiple little poos throughout the day, like maybe three to five, and will never actually do the big poo, so she's getting stuck. I feel like she's making herself constipated and being so resistant now to the whole toileting situation that I don't know what to do. We have tried sticker charts, food rewards, rewards like playgrounds, outing, consequences like taking toys away, etc., and nothing has worked. She is well hydrated hydrated and eats a healthy diet in every other area of her development she's quite advanced always has to keep up with her big brother and is very switched on she can be very determined and headstrong at times and so that isn't making the situation any easier to deal with any tips would be welcome thank you and that's from beck from adelaide okay beck so we see this sometimes in children where they maybe have been toilet trained too young but it doesn't sound like this in this case because if she's three now, February, she was well over two and a half. And it was also driven by her. But what I would do is give everybody in the household a break, including her. Because what's probably been happening is a little bit of a change up every day. So you think about doing it a different way and it's completely different. So one day I'm, you know, bribed with food. The next day I'm going to have my toys taken away. And it might be just too much for her at the moment. So let's go back to the start. So don't be afraid to put it back in pull-ups and say to her, sit her down and say, look, this is becoming very stressful for mummy and for you. So let's go back one stage and put your pull-ups back on for a week and then we'll try again. So what you're doing is seeing whether this is a pressure type response. 
is it that she's just much more aware of what she's doing and she's forgotten to train herself. But let's just take the pressure off. And I'm a big one. I like to go back one step to move forward. Moving forward continuously doesn't always help. So I'm going to go back one step for about a week, probably no longer than two weeks, and then I'm going to retrain her. So once every, we've taken the pressure off everyone, then once we're ready, we're going to go to toilet timing. So we're going to do gentle reminders like, we're going to the park now, let's try for a wee before we go to the park. Um, we're, we're going to get in the car to come home from daycare, let's try for a wee before we come home. So they're just suggestions and we're not pushing it too much because we know if we push, they're, they're going to go backwards. In the same respect, to get her back on track with doing a poo, then I'd probably toilet time her with that as well. So maybe once in the morning, once in the afternoon, you pop her on the toilet to try for a poo and you just read a story. And if she doesn't do it, we get her off. So it's, we're going back to that toilet timing which is a really important step before toilet training. So toilet training is also the step where the child has the cognitive understanding to know that they can take themselves to the toilet. So going back a couple of steps and moving forward, you might find she'll just make that jump really easily. And then about a week later, we say, okay, let's try with your little girl undies on and see if you can tell mummy when you need to go to the toilet and do a couple of little gentle reminders just to help her. But don't nag her. Mm -hmm. So that's the key. Don't be at her all the time. It's about every two to three hours. So I just go mid-morning, lunchtime, afternoon, before the bath or before the bed. And, and let's see if she can pick up some of her body cues and get that understanding for going to the toilet. Right. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, we have a question from Paula. She says, my six-month-old has started waking a lot more at night recently. She's usually woken one to two times a night and I feed her and she settles straight back to sleep. Lately, she's woken up to five times a night. Ouch. And doesn't always settle after a feed. She's breastfed and on three meals a day. She also has three naps a day between two to two and a half hours awake time between. And her last nap is around 4 p.m. Sometimes I have to resettle her during the day, which can involve rocking back to sleep. And I've had to start doing this at night when she doesn't settle. How can I improve her night sleep? So I think what's happened here is that when she started waking more, you might've gone into feeding her more because you're used to her waking up once or twice overnight. And as they start moving around and rolling around, which often happens at six months, which she's just got a bit of a mixed signal, which says that every time I get up, I might've got a feed. And now it's, it's got very confused. So four milk feeds in the day and two meals in, in the day and three sleeps is about right for her age. So she's doing well there and she seems to be sleeping well for you in the day from what, what you've got written down or what you've written to us. Now we have to do some settling. So if she normally had those feeds at say 12 and four, we need to go back to, for the next three or four days, only feeding her at 12 and four. And then after we've got that established, then moving, dropping down to one feed, say between, I don't know, one and three in the, in the morning. And 
To do this, you need to resettle her before 12 o'clock. So as she wakes, leaving her to see if she's fully waking or whether she's just woken and now trying to get herself back to sleep. So give her a few minutes to do that. And then if that's not working, going in, and, and this is usually more successful if you send your partner in before midnight and getting him to do some rocking and patting with her in a bed. And if she gets too worked up, then picking her up, giving her a cuddle, rock pat, then back down into her bed. So using the structure of a simple resettle, we're going to start to put the structure in place for um, where she gets a feed and where she gets resettled. And outside of that, and especially if it's only happened in the last week to 10 days where the temperature's dropped a lot, is checking that she's not cold and that's not the reason that she's waking up. So making sure, you know, she's got the right clothing on or her sleeping bag might need to be a little bit thicker or a little bit of warmth in the room if needed, if it's too cold. All of these factors can play a part on them suddenly waking where they weren't waking before. And we all want our babies to sleep better. Let's be honest. Speaking of sleep, we have an email from Lara. She says, I'm a first-time mum and my son is 11 months old. He sleeps in a cot in his room. He wakes up frequently through the night, sometimes starting from 10.30. He demands to be breastfed each time and padding, rocking have ceased to work after teething and his last leap. Last night, for example, he did a three-hour stretch initially, then woke up once every hour till 3.30, then did another three-hour stretch before waking at 6.20, which is his usual wake-up time. I'm getting desperate and want to know what I can do to help him stretch, sleep longer stretches. So his day routine is breakfast at 7, breastfeed at 9 or 9.30, then morning nap usually for one to one and a half hours. Lunch around 12.30, followed by breast milk at 1.30, then nap usually for two and two and a half hours. Dinner around 5 p.m., snacks after each nap. Shower, story time and breastfeeding, 6.30 till 8 p.m., usually down by 8. To settle him back to sleep, sometimes padding works, but mostly I have to take him out of the cot and breastfeed and rock him in the rocking chair. In terms of movement, he crawls and pulls to stand and cruises along furniture. I don't have the heart to hear my baby cry, so I haven't and can't do cry it out or comfort crying. Is there any gentle method I can try? Also, if he loses it, my husband goes to settle him during the night. Poor guy has tried every method but doesn't work as my son's crying and screaming escalates and even he even hyperventilates, which means I have been doing all the nighttime duties and is probably very tired. I'm due to go back to work soon and am nervous how I can function with a full-time job and being chronically sleep deprived. Can you please tell me what I can do to help him settle better, sleep better? Also, he's never taken the bottle. I think he has big time breastfeeding association, which I don't know how to break as he wants a feed each time before even day naps. And that lies the problem. He's actually, you know, one way or another, he's worked out that you breastfeed to go back to sleep. And as he wakes in his sleep cycles overnight, he wants that same cue to go back to sleep. So the good thing is we need to change it all. The bad thing is at 11 months, that takes a little bit of time. And I completely understand about listening to your baby crying. I don't think there's a mother on walking the earth that enjoys hearing their babies cry. And I don't even think that's the first step, but somewhere along the line, we need to give him the chance to settle. 
Um, because if we continue to either breastfeed him, rock him or pat him, you need to be happy doing that because that's his cue to go to sleep. So as he gets older and he wakes more often, he may not have those, those uh, skills to go back to sleep without having a breastfeed. So I think it's just coming up with a simple step that takes him from realising that he needs a breastfeed overnight to go back to sleep. So the first thing I would do in the day is when you do the breastfeed, you need to have him up after the breastfeed. So doing something like breastfeeding him, then change his nappy, then put him in a sleeping bag and then put him down to sleep in the day. So he's not breastfed to sleep, but you can still keep the breastfeed close to the sleep because that's a good little pattern that you and he have established and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think um, in this case, you just need to interrupt the pattern of feeding to sleep. Okay, so that's gonna help us at night. So then it's about reasonable behaviour. So usually what I would do this time is, again, like the last question is, between putting him to bed and midnight, I would resettle him. And then from midnight, I'd give him a feed wherever he wakes up from midnight. And then from that point to the morning, I'd resettle him and get him down to one feed overnight. And then from one feed overnight, when you feel strong enough, we just move that and we resettle him. So the problem is he's not sleeping a six to eight hour length of period before he wakes. And that's a really crucial development that they need to understand. By being able to sleep that six to eight hours, resettling works much better. But in this case, he's waking up probably well before that. So now we need dad back in on the act for the bedtime to midnight, but we're going to do a, quite a gentle settle for him initially, and then we're going to wean him off it. But at some point, he'll need to be able to do it himself when everyone in the family is ready for that. So he, he wakes crying, you go in there, and the hard thing at 11 months is they often pull to stand and they're hanging on to the side of the cot and shaking the cot. So I give him a few minutes to see if he can slide down the cot because that's a skill they have to learn. And if he can't do that, I'd go in, I'd put him down, I'd put my hand on his shoulders and I'd pat his bottom. So often they're on their front or on their side to do this at his age and they sleep more comfortably. But it also allows you to give him a little swing and a sway as you sort of pat. And that can be soothing to him. And I do that for a good few minutes. And then if he rolls away, like any strong 11-month-old would do, is they roll away from you, then I'd stand with him for a little bit. And then when he starts crying, I'd pick him up, I'd give him a cuddle till he is calm, not till he is asleep. And then I would put him down, put my hand on him and rock pat. And this won't be easy. He's 11 months old. It won't be easy. And I think you need to be kind to each other and do this across a period of time that you can put in, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Don't do it in the middle of dad's working week because that'll all go to custard about an hour after it starts because this will take some time. So the first time you resettle him, say at nine o'clock, it could take you anywhere up to 40 minutes to do, Okay. And you'll pick him up, put him down, you'll pat him, rock him, pick him up, put him down, but you're not feeding him. So it teaches him that things are changing. 
over three nights, that should get quicker and easier or he sleeps longer. Then he gets to the point, you feed him at 12, he'll probably be exhausted by then, so he'll sleep better. And then you might have to do it again at four in the morning. And that's where mum comes in to do it so that he gets a consistent pattern. And you can use this same consistency in the pattern of settling him in the day if she has trouble with those day sleeps as well. So this is going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of patience, but I think you'll be amazed at how far forward you would have moved in a week of doing it. Consistency is the key, is what I've well, learned from you. Well, as you know, consistency, patience is the key to parenting. Oh, yes. Not always good at it. But anyway, um, we have time for one last question. Actually, we don't have time for it, but I'm squeezing it in anyway. Uh, this is from Emily, who has written a question on our Helpline Facebook group. So that is another way you can ask a question. We have um, a private, uh, our own group on Facebook, and you can post questions there as well. This is our last one for today. Hi, Siobhan and Chris. Thanks for such a wonderful show. I have a son who turned two in mid-March. About a month before his birthday, he started not sleeping well, having been a great sleeper for about a year. He was staying up till around 10 p.m. At this point, we experimented with dropping his nap entirely. He had dropped to one nap around 11 months old. This made bedtime much more suitable around 7.30. However, since around his birthday, we've had maybe two uninterrupted nights of sleep. For the first time ever, he wouldn't be resettled and ended up sleeping a lot of nights from 1 or 2 a.m. in our double bed. Not good for a restful night's sleep. Given I am also pregnant and due in August, we decided to try him in a toddler bed so that we could give him the comfort he clearly needed and then go back to our own beds. This was about a month ago. We are just getting to a point where we can leave him awake but sleepy in bed and he'll let us leave. But he just won't sleep through the night. He wakes sometime between 12.30 and 3 most nights. If he doesn't wake at this time, he will wait by 5.30 to start the day. In terms of sleep, we aim for sleep between 7 and 7.30, but often he doesn't go down till 8, and he mostly wakes between 6 and 7. 95% of the time he doesn't nap, but he'll occasionally fall asleep on the couch for an hour or so if he's really tired. If he really needs the nap, then he will sleep happily in the evening. When he wakes, he'll get out of bed and come to his door, then call for us. Sometimes he'll settle within 5 minutes, sometimes an hour. He often cries for a big cuddle when I get to him. Is there anything to try that doesn't involve me crossing my fingers and hoping he'll sleep every night? Whoa, there's a lot going on here, isn't there? Yeah. Um, I think he's really overtired and a little bit confused. Like he drops sleeps very young, very young. And now he's in a toddler bed and he might not be ready for a toddler bed. So I think that there's... There is a lot going on. I personally, at his age, would still go back to giving him a sleep in the day, even if it's for an hour, because I think then he's not overtired when he goes to bed at night, and that's going to help the overall problem. I think people underestimate that. And I think we have to probably sit with him and reassure him when he's going to bed. It doesn't actually tell us how, how they put him to bed, like you know, the actual steps to putting him to bed. But I would take the cues from what you're doing to put him to sleep. And when he comes out in the middle of the night, going back and putting him back to sleep. I think this is an overall sleep problem more than anything, but I think he's overtired. So the reason it keeps getting 
going backwards and forwards is because some days he's more overtired than others. So let's see what happens if we go back to giving him a sleep, maybe between 12.30 and 2, and then putting him down between 7.30 and 8. He could, he could survive with one hour sleep, but he generally could go up to an hour and a half sleep in there. And then I think you have to take the cues for putting him to sleep and keep re-comforting him with those cues when he wakes up and see if he can get better that way. Okay. Ah, I'm so glad my children are older. Am I allowed to say that? I mean, they do have their own issues. Don't get me wrong. Being older doesn't make it easier. It's just a different different kettle of the same fish. (laughs) You know, we're going home. I'm going home after this to uh, a Beyblade tournament because it's Arlo's oh, birthday today. Beyblades. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't, if people listening don't know what Beyblades are, count yourself lucky because that's what I'm going to be doing all day after this. Chris, thank you so much for coming oh, on. It's a pleasure, Siobhan. If you would like a one on one with Chris, you can book her through our helpline, our helpline, our Babyology Sleep School which we'll put links up with this either in the podcast or on the Facebook Live. If you'd like to ask your question during the week, you can send it to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Chris, I wish you a very lovely day. And if you'd like to come over and play Beyblades, you know my address. (laughs) I'll pass on that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. Thanks, Chris. See you soon. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.